fixing the way I thought about myself and what is possible it changed my life more than plants, more than running, more than any of these things. It's what went on inside my mind. That's Josh Lajani this week on the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Big Show, where each week I probe the intellect and the spirit of the best and the brightest in health and wellness and fitness and diet and excellence and all kinds of other cool stuff to help you live and be better, to push you and me to unlock and unleash our collective best, most authentic versions of ourselves. My name is Rich Roll. I'm the host guy behind the microphone. Welcome. Thank you for dropping by. Thanks for subscribing to the show on iTunes. Thank you for clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. Can you guys hear all that noise out there? All the honking and the sirens and stuff? I'm not in the garage. This can only mean one thing. New York City, baby. I'm in New York City. I love it. I'm here for like 11 days. The reason that I came here is I had an opportunity the other day to speak at Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. Perhaps the most storied, historic, famous auditorium in the world. If not the most, it's definitely up there. Uh, it was crazy. Like I'm reflecting back on it. It's just insane how life works. Because if you had told me, I mean, certainly when you look back at, uh, on the arc of my life, I mean, you know, 18 years ago, I was a hope to die drunk. The idea that I would be on stage at Carnegie Hall, I mean, you know, I was hoping to just stay alive. And even after Epic Five, Ultraman, writing my first book, if you had told me then that I would have this opportunity, I would have said you are completely out of your mind. The only circumstance under which I could realistically imagine being at Carnegie Hall was if I was seeing a show or maybe they were employing me to like mop the stage floor or something like that. It's just super wild. And it was really cool to like be backstage and kind of see how the whole place functions. And you see all these old guys back there and you know they've been there working for like 50 years and they've seen it all like every amazing great creative talent has passed through there anyway i'm just kind of uh feeling a lot of gratitude right now because you know i live life in bonus time and the fact that i'm in a place now where i get to do stuff like that just blows my mind and it gives me perspective and it it really has me reflecting on the limitations that i impose upon myself right because generally i'm my own worst enemy and I think that's an apropos theme for today's podcast and today's guest, Josh Lajani. Josh Lajani is an extraordinary individual, kind of an everyman hero, I suppose. He was back on the he was on the podcast originally in episode sixty three back in December of two thousand thirteen. If you have not listened to that, I strongly urge you go back and listen to it. To this day, after one hundred and fifty one episodes of the podcast, it is right up there on the top three or top five most popular, most downloaded episodes ever. And the reason for that is everybody loves a great transformation story. And Josh is not, you know, out like breaking world records. He's really an everyman guy, an average dude who overcame extraordinary obstacles in his path to not only lose 200 pounds and keep it off, but to become an athlete. And he's like a beast of an athlete now. He's this super handsome Bradley Cooper looking dude. He's a runner. He's banging out marathons all the time. He's running ultras now. And it's a really amazing story uh, in addition because he's just a beautiful guy with an amazing amount of charisma, 
Um, and I just feel really bonded to him for some reason. Again, what's so amazing isn't just the 200 pound weight loss. It's how he did it. It's how he maintained it. And it's how he's transformed himself into not just a baller athlete, but a real evangelist for healthy living and plant-based nutrition. And on top of all of this, he did it, he accomplished all of this in what is literally a nutritional desert, deep in the bayou of Southern Louisiana. There's no whole foods. There really aren't even any kind of nutritional role models that he could in-person look up to, in-person resources. This is a guy who basically was fed up with how he was living, how he was looking, how he was feeling, and he just made a decision to change. And he followed up that decision with consistent daily action. He just did it. And our first interview was on Skype. So I'd actually never met Josh in person uh, until this event that I spoke at in Marshall, Texas. It's an event that I remember when um, I decided or I agreed that I was going to do it. And I emailed Josh and I said, when I realized that Marshall, Texas wasn't that far from where he lives in Louisiana. And I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing this thing. You got you to make the trip up. You got to drive up and we got to hang out for the weekend. Sure enough, he was there. We got to hang out for like three days in person. And it was super cool. You know, I just feel really bonded to him, almost like he's my little brother from another mother. And I'm more impressed with him than ever after, after hanging out with him. And I'm just so happy to be able to sit down with him in real life and get to know him better and, and share that with you guys. So again, please listen to episode 67 if you haven't already. It's amazing. And this episode picks up right off where that one left off. And we're going to explore his continuing evolution as a runner, as a human, and as an inspiring example to all of us. And this is a conversation that's going to move you. It will erase whatever obstacles and excuses you rely on that perpetuate your bad habits, that keep you stuck in reinforced denial. And by listening, my hope is that you'll realize that no matter what your circumstances or environment, that we all have the power to implement profound personal change beyond our collective imagination in miraculous and fantastic ways. So if I could go where I, I was once to speaking at Carnegie Hall, and if Josh could lose 200 pounds and run ultra marathons, this should help you reflect and think on the limitations that you put on your life. Hey everybody, like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no-cost, science-based habit-building program designed by my well-being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up-level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well-being, courtesy of a doable, evidence-based 12-week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted 
so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, waking up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. So let's get down with a man who calls himself a self-avowed coon-ass and learn more about how he makes it happen and how he's inspiring all of those in his community to live and be better. Enjoy. 
Right on, right on, right yeah. on. <laughs> a little bit different than last time, is, like you just said. Yeah, it's a lot different. I know. It's pretty awesome, though. Yeah, it's cool to see you face-to-face. And- uh, uh, I mean, you know, I I, uh, I thought, like, if I come to Marshall and uh, I get one thing out of it, which is to connect with you in person, then it's a it was a worthwhile trip. And uh, I walk wow. into the, uh, the, the convention hall on Friday night, and you were the yeah. first person I saw. And, uh, <laughs> it was so great to... Uh, to finally meet you and uh, and give Ditto. you a big hug, yeah. man. I'm yeah. glad it was caught on film. You got to send me yeah. that picture. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man. I, I was trying to think. Um, I don't know what it is about you, man. I just feel connected to you and your journey. And you know, your story is so extraordinary. And I was reflecting back on just that. I just had this spontaneous desire when you sent me that tweet that I was like, what, it had to be two years ago or something like that. About now, yeah, a year it's and a half little over a year. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. And I get, people send me tweets all the time, but there was something about yours. I'm like, man, yeah. I, I got to get on this. Like, I, I remember just dialed you up onto the podcast. I need like, to get you a better after Almost, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get some new pictures <laughs> yeah. for this one. Um, and uh, kind of just dove into that podcast, not really knowing anything about you other than like the little bit that you had on your website. And, right. you know, usually like I prepare and I was like, well, yeah. let's check this guy out. And yeah. That was such an amazing conversation, you know, and it, it really uh, it really resonated with people, you know. And I say this all the time that uh, I really think that 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 is what you know has made this podcast special and distinct from some of the other ones out there. Because as fun as it is to have people like Dean Carnazes on and, and people yeah. that you know, you're going to get a lot of downloads, yeah. and, you know, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's guys like you that really like move my heart, man. And your story just touched me. And I, I, ever since that moment, even, you know, we've been following each other. It's not like we talk on the phone or anything like that, but I've been like very emotionally invested in your journey. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy, man. I, I, I mean, I don't know really what to say. Um, I'm just, I am so grateful for you reaching out to me that, Mm -hmm. that has really changed me even more. And since, since that, you know, podcasts. It's, mm. it's been crazy, and and being able to really realize that I'm inspiring like a lot of people. This is <laughs> yeah, you are it's, man. It's, Own it, so, brother. So it's it's kind of uh, that's 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 cool. That uh-huh. is awesome, and it's also very inspiring for me, and it drives me. It keeps my fire burning bright. It mm. really does. That's it really cool. does. That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it was really, it was a cool moment for me to be able to, you know, the podcast has grown considerably since then, but to be able to kind of introduce you to a bunch of people and share your story. And, you know, I'm sure a bunch of people like we're starting, you know, (laughs) like sending you emails or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad that that's, you know, a little spark for you because I, you know, I think, I think, I mean, I haven't gone back and listened to that podcast, but from what I recall, I think I said something like, Dude, you got to step up. Like you mm-hmm. got to you got to get out in, yeah. in front of people and start sharing this story because you can really help people. Yeah, and I have and and I have I've done that a couple of times. I get um, a little nervous standing uh-huh. in front of folks, you know. But well, so but do I. Not, Everybody yeah, does, yeah, yeah. you know. But it, it's something that I'm I don't shy from. When I'm asked, I, I'll definitely go. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's a new it's it's a new thing in the mm-hmm. fold, you know. It's good, man. Yeah, I, was that cool that I like called you out today? Like, I didn't want to embarrass you or anything. No, like yeah, that, but, it was. Uh, it was actually. It was. <laughs> it was very surreal. Like I was sitting there taking pictures of everyone's 
you know, in posting as as the speakers were were, mm-hmm. were up, and I was like a deer in the headlights when you started talking about me. I didn't I didn't I didn't even think to grab my phone or uh-huh. take a picture, or, and I was just trying honestly trying not to like shed a tear, really, because uh-huh. that's that's where I was emotionally at that moment. I was like, wow, this is where I am right now. That's this right. Is, man. This is crazy. It's cool. Is, I mean, for beautiful for the people listening. I gave a second talk. I gave my main talk on Friday night, but today is Saturday, and I, I gave a second talk. Um, and instead of because I had told my story, I was like, "Well, I want to tell a couple other people's stories." So mm-hmm. I kind of highlighted, you know, I showed some before and after pictures of you, and I made you stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that, <laughs> and uh, and made the proclamation that you're going to be speaking at this event next year. And I think that's going to happen, man. Yeah, I'm, I am game. Yeah, that's one hundred percent game. That's cool. So um, for people that are new to the podcast, maybe didn't catch our, our you know, I don't want to go back through the whole thing because sure, they sure. can go back and listen to that. But why don't we like quickly, you know, recap the journey, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. take us back a little bit. Yeah. I, I, so essentially I am born and bred Kunas. I'm from the Bayan. That's, uh-huh. that's, that's where I grew up. Um, we do a lot of things um, that can really contribute to, you know, a, a poor health and obesity. And mm-hmm. so that's essentially, long story short, that's what happened. Living my normal, typical uh Coon-ass lifestyle. Right. We're not talking we about eat. like right. a, a suburb of New Orleans. No, we like, we're talking about, down south. We're talking about yeah. it on the Bayou. And, uh-huh. um, and we do things differently. Uh, and But we definitely, we party around food. We, we grieve around food. You know, mm-hmm. um, everything uh, revolves around food. It really does. We, we, we live to eat and we're, mm-hmm. we're proud of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had gotten to a point to where I was very unhealthy and very unhappy with myself and very overweight. Um, and I was also educating myself uh, at the same time. At, at my very heaviest, I was in, in school as a non-traditional student, and, mm-hmm. and I was in my senior year. And I, the big thing was I was nervous about getting in front of people with a big giant belly and sweat on my brow because I'm big and heavy and hot and mm-hmm. wearing a suit. Right, and I was worried you're, about you're, that. You're, I mean, at your heaviest, you're what? What are you topping out uh, at? Four hundred, at right. least, at least uh-huh. four hundred. Um, and so I started trying to fix that uh, my uh, senior year. But before that, the big shaker, and you and you brought that up today, which we didn't talk a whole bunch about it the last time. Mm-hmm. Was you know I've been a Saints fan like since I can remember being able to realize what mm-hmm. football was. And all my entire life, it's been just common knowledge that the Saints are never going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's uh-huh. just, that's just, you know, accepted. And here I am. I, my wife surprises me with season tickets in 06 for my birthday. Mm-hmm. So we go through a couple of seasons. And then lo and behold, here we are, 09, as season ticket holders, and the Saints win. A Super Bowl, and it, it it like completely shook what what possible and impossible was inside mm-hmm. my brain. It seems maybe trivial to some people that football plays such a huge role, um, but it does. It, it's important to me, and so I I was compelled to read Coach's book after. So mm-hmm. Sean Payton read a book about it. So that following summer, I read that book, and he talked a lot about some of the walls that he ran into coming 
from up north down to South Louisiana mm-hmm. to basically, you know, get people shit together and let's go do something. Like culture clash, you mean? Right. Like and, what, what specific, right. what the, is it specifically about like Southern Louisiana? It's a little bit of, we kind of like laissez-faire a little bit, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think it's maybe that French lineage or something that just kind of, we're kind of not very specific about um, goals and, and these, like like what Coach was, Coach was trying to implement, assist, like put a system in place to right. go get this specific thing, not win a playoff game. He wanted a championship. Mm-hmm. And that mindset, like, what didn't exist even in the fan base, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's out of the question. We, I mean, what do we, Lack that's of a pipe goal. dream, right? Yeah. So, coach was like, <laughs> but the players aren't from Louisiana. That's, that's right. So, but but a lot of the the peripheries, as far as office, probably and personnel and those things, right, there a lot right. of Louisiana people involved in it. And he and and basically, he said a lot about um, how he heard this recurring theme of, well, that's just the way it is down here, mm. and. And he really bucked up against that. Right, and he, like, and slow down. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly right. Let me tell you. Let me educate you. Uh, yeah. about this how is, we do things. This is how we're gonna do stuff down here. <laughs> and and no, he said he said absolutely not. This and um and so he just basically completely changed the culture, um of of the the organization, organization right, right from the inside out from and from the inside out. And it, that was powerful. It was him and him, him and Mickey Loomis. It's a mm-hmm. big deal. They they've really done something amazing. So that shook me. I was like, "Coach is right," because here I am, wishing I wasn't fat, but that's just the way it is down here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish I could change it. I wish I could eat better. I wish I could do these things. But you know, we got Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you gonna we got, do? What, what you gonna do? You know, right? Um, Christmas is right around the corner. What you gonna do? It's my mom. You know, it's my mama. We got to right. You got to eat. And so. That was the first thing that cracked the you know the whole that that's the what edifice, that's, right, right. that's what started it. It's and so it's so fascinating because usually it's more of an internal thing, like something happens to you personally. Mm-hmm. But your personal relationship well, with this are, football team is so right. strong that it yeah. almost was like you, yeah. you right? Yeah. Like it's, it does seem trivial, but like yeah. that passion runs deep. Huh? It runs deep, and it's more than just football because it's the person. <laughs> you played football, just I, to be I clear. Played, yeah. I played football, but it's also nostalgia, like memories, things that I think of that were going on as I was watching a football game, you know, sitting with my dad or those those types of things mm-hmm. that I remember. Just don't even remember, um, like, why I was hollering and screaming, but I knew that my dad had jumped up off the sofa and he was jumping up and down and screaming and it was something good happened, so I would just mimic. Mm-hmm. And it's those little, like, it's so, it's not just football to me. It's all of these periphery things that, took place around this activity mm-hmm. that sort of made it, you know, connect deep inside of me. And it's a part of me still to this day. I, on game day, I'm a wreck, you know, mm-hmm. every single <laughs> game. And this season was rough. It was uh-huh. a rough season, you know. And, yeah, uh, it's a good thing you're not 400 pounds now, yeah. right? You might well, have to wait a little longer. Yeah. There was a funny little side thing. When I when we first got a season tickets, I was still a big giant person, uh-huh. and so 
we got to be really good friends with the people next to me because I basically shared like a quarter of her seat with her. And uh, so, cause I spilled over, you know, uh-huh. and, um, but what was really, what really sucked was there were times in the dome where say Drew would throw a bomb and everybody stands up mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't get up fast enough to mm-hmm. see the receiver catch the ball. So I have to avert my eyes to the big screen mm-hmm. in the dome so I can watch the play come to fruition. And looking back on it, that was, that was, that's sad. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, that sucked. It was kind of embarrassing too, to not be able to get up out of your seat quickly. Well, I would imagine that, you know, when you, when you weigh 400 pounds, there's any number of indignities that you have to suffer. Tons you know, I mean, yeah. the obvious ones like going on a plane and stuff like that. But Some of the worst little, ones. Little right. things that, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. somebody of normal size never sure. even thinks about that you kind of have to deal with that, that yeah. kind of like stoke that like furnace of shame, yes. you know, that exactly. you're private about and can't the, the really things, talk about. Right. The things... Yeah, the the things like the airplane and the seats and all. You're you're right, but the private things were ten times worse. Like what? You could always laugh off. Like yeah, you diffuse it like on an airplane. Right? Like, <laughs> <you> <laughs> Look how funny fat guy in an airplane. It, you know, but it was things like say um, putting on socks. Mm-hmm. That should be something a twenty something year old man should not have a problem with. Mm-hmm. But putting on socks, I would break a sweat after my shower. And literally, you don't understand this belly. You can't get to your feet very good at mm-hmm. all. Or even grosser, ingrown hairs because you have skin touching on Folding skin. Over. Right? Yeah. And you have these weird, gross, I mean, pustules that would grow from an ingrown hair. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. But I would, you don't say, you, people you don't, don't see those. Yeah, yeah. It's just me and myself in the mirror being extremely unhappy about mm-hmm. my physical condition, but on a, at the same time being jovial Josh out, you know, putting that facade on. Yeah, because you got to compensate, fat, funny right? guy. Yeah, you yeah. got to compensate with personality. Mm-hmm. How does that? How did that work with uh, with with your wife? Because you you were pretty you were big when you got married, and you know she obviously loves you, you know, just for yeah. who you are. I was that. But. I was on a. I was on a. Uh, it, was, it was funny. I was on a weight loss stint when I met my wife. Mm-hmm. So I was, I've been up and down my whole life. So I was around 250 when I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she had known me for years, like just, you know, just loosely. We, we weren't friends really per se. We just knew each other. And uh, so it was about, I was about 250 when I met her, and I just ballooned up to what you see in my wedding pictures. Mm-hmm. And she never wavered. She never. The only thing, because she's a, she's a nurse, mm-hmm. um, and she, the only thing she would ever say was was, you know, all I would ever worry about would be your health. I really don't care what size pants you wear. I don't mm-hmm. care how heavy you are, how many seatbelts you need on the airplane. It never bothered her at all. But what did bother her was my self deprecating. Mm-hmm. That that was more bothersome than physical appearance. Yeah, the emotional sure. the right. emotional landscape that comes comes because, with that because you become so self defeating. Yes, exactly, and because because she's my most intimate partner, she's the person that sees the real me, and so a lot of times, you know, the the big funny fat guy Josh, um, that person, it, that guy, that facade 
is gone and she gets to see the underbelly of the unhappy Josh. Right, like when the door's shut and it's just you yes. and you're going to bed or whatever and you, you can turn that off. Yes. And, and there's that, the real guy. Th- being able to change that about myself has been... I, I am more proud of that than mm. any weight loss or in any race, honestly. Did did that require? I mean, did that was that a byproduct, a natural byproduct of losing the weight and no. becoming an athlete, or did you have to do additional? I did work therapy. Oh, I did? went. Uh-huh. I went to therapy, on, and I, I think more people should probably mm-hmm. that are wrestling with things. And actually, the funny thing is, I I didn't go until after I had started to lose a lot of weight, and I started realizing some things of I need to deal with some stuff inside mm-hmm. my my brain inside my head and I don't know, I think more people should own up to that and be okay with it right how does, how do people feel about that in the bayou going to therapy yeah they Is feel right? how they feel bro <laughs> i mean you know well that's a good that's a <laughs> profound statement because i think that just what you just said you know they feel how they feel is it? is 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 really what's allowed you to be able to do what you that's exactly you got right. caught up in in you know the chatter of what mm-hmm. your friends and the people around you in your community would think. You would never have gotten off right. first base, right? I learned this real easy concept about how about moving energy inside. You know, and I'd never. It sounds so hokey and weird and stupid when you're from where I'm from. Dude, I live in California. You, know? you could, yeah. you, could you, know, you can. <laughs> so I'm with you. Yeah, I know. I know you're with me. <laughs> yeah, I think no. that's probably why we get uh, along, right? You know, but. <clears throat> I had never thought of it, thought of things because I was talking to this guy about, you know, uh, about being unhappy in certain <clears throat> ways. And and um, he had these exercises that he would just help me. Like he said, what you need to understand is you're you have the power to move energy where you want, but you have to just realize it. And so he helped me do a lot of these things. I mean, I was. Mm-hmm. You Did know, he give you like specific tools to just some mantras and stuff that he would I could I can't remember them. I always mm-hmm. have to go would have to go to him to, you know, get the relief. And um eventually it just was like, I get it. I get what he's telling me. Um and a lot of those things, to put it in a nutshell, were, hey, dude, stop stressing about things that you have zero control over. And instead, all of that energy that you're using on these things you can't control, how about you pour them into the things that you can control? Mm-hmm. And that that's it in a nutshell. That's what I got from the whole exchange, and it was pretty profound and powerful right. for me. Right. All right, so it's 2009, 2010. They yeah. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You read the book. You're inspired. Yes. You have your uh, line in the sand moment. I mean, yeah. was there a... Like a crystallized moment where you're like, I'm I'm doing this, like I'm I'm taking the reins here, or was it a gradual progression of just you know reading the book and and like wrestling with this idea? Of oh, there was much wrestling. Different. Yeah, much, there was a lot of wrestling, but the so the big broad idea of hey, I'm gonna fix this, and I and I and I think I wrote about it in 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 that first little blog post that mm-hmm. I did. Free, where, where, free Josh Lejeune. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. The where, manifesto. <laughs> yeah. I love that thing, man. <laughs> so where I really literally, and I'm not joking, I, I leaned into the mirror and I looked at myself, and I had never done this before in my life, and I was crying because I was disgusted with myself. I used to literally stand in front of my bathroom mirror, and I would grab my belly with both arms. I would have a full two arms full of belly, and my belly would hang over my arms such that I couldn't see my arms in the mirror. Mm-hmm. 
and I would cry. I just look at myself and like, how is this ever how gonna old? go? Yeah, away? how how old were you? Uh, say thirty ish. Uh huh. So give me give me a give me a brief flavor of of the the typical Bayou diet. Well, I am I am blended between two very horribly eating cultures, <laughs> which are my what? my dad is. I'm a Lajani, which we are from the Bayou. We're from the swamp. My dad's uh, family. Bayou Lafourche. Bayou Lafourche. Lafourche. La um, but yeah, we, that's the Bayou that we're, that's the uh-huh. Bayou that we're from, and that's the name of our parish is Lafourche Parish. And people speak French there? They do speak French there, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the older guys, still to this day, you can go to a gas station in Chag Bay if you're early in the morning, and you're going to find a couple of old coon asses rattling off French next to the coffee pot, uh-huh. guaranteed. But like crazy French, right? Not like French. Fr- no, like it's, it's like not. A s- right. It's a bastardized <laughs> version of yeah. French, just like we speak a bastardized version of English, you know, uh-huh. kind of. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a coon ass French, right. Cajun French, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. But yes, they do. My grandmother actually, my dad's, my dad's grandmother um my Lajani family is from from Chacahula, which is which is just a little dot on the map in the middle of the swamp. Mm-hmm. And uh we would go visit her sometimes. This is his great grandmother. We'd go visit her sometimes and if she had friends over, there was no English being spoken in the house at all. Right. It was all there's just a bunch of old ladies speaking French. And it was so neat. It was I you nobody would understand what they were saying, right? But, you know, it was like kinda, a French person might yeah. not even understand. No, not right? even especially a French yeah, yeah, person. Yeah. Probably, yeah. It's such a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So that's your dad's side of the. That's family. my dad's side of the family. So we. So that's obviously comes with all of the Cajun cooking, and right. so you know that's where my Cajun jambalaya, the, the right, boys. all of that stuff. And the irony is, my mama's side of the family is from North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Terrible eating, also, but it's more. You know, fat back and chicken fried steak and those things. Right. And so my mama's mama, my memo, I called her, which is a weird thing for South Louisiana to call a grandmother a memo. That's a Mississippi thing. Mm. So, but my memo, which is my mama's mom, she fed the hell out of us like, like crazy. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, who was my Bam Bam. He really adopted, <laughs> right? So I got a memo yeah. on a Bam Bam, right? Uh-huh. So my Bam Bam, he really adopted this South Louisiana culture. They moved here in like 75, okay? And he learned all of the gumbos and the jambalayas, and he learned how to make all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cool, new, like, look what I can do thing every time he would learn a new recipe. And it was like we made, we cooked all the time, sat in the kitchen, drank, he drank whiskey. I would mm-hmm. fix his drinks for him, and we cooked. That's how. That's how. Right. That's how we existed. That was the yeah. That was so, like the vortex of right. everything that was going on. Right. So I was steeped in this bayou culture, but but I was fed by North Mississippi, Mississippi. folks. Yeah, yeah. So it was double bad. It was really. It was. It was double bad. It was if rough. you like, if somebody's listening from Australia, they don't know what's what from Louisiana. Sure. Like, how do you, in a nutshell, describe like Bayou culture, or Southern Louisiana culture? We country folks. We just country. You know, mm-hmm. we're far away from things are changing now. Thibodeau's growing and becoming more, you know, uh, modern. Mm-hmm. I'd say, um, but 
we're essentially just country folks. And our even our little speck of the country, though, is different from the rest of the country folks around, mm-hmm. you know, our nation. As I'm sure is the same. I th- I'm sure it's the same way in Australia. And I'm sure they have little micro cultures with there's so, there I mean it goes back to this idea that it's that it is a really specific thing. I mean it's not like, you know, you can go across America and you can get away from cities and mm-hmm. they all have their specific, you know, idiosyncrasies, but right. there's something very distinct about Well, the very Louisiana. distinct I think has a lot to do with our French lineage yeah. and us being sort of outcast from an original land and I I really think that that still bleeds through to our mm-hmm. populace today. Um, we were the whole reason that the, of the the French Canadians were in Canada in the first place is because right. they were they were edgy, they were risk takers, they wanted to do something different. They said to hell with the status quo. Mm-hmm. They did all of these things, and um, then they were they were they were ejected from that land and scattered around. And we have you know a pretty. Th- Concentration. Yeah, it's of concentrated there. So there's this idea right. that like you're kind of given the Heisman of the outside world. Like don't mm-hmm. you know? Don't tread on me. That's like exactly, we're doing our own thing down here. That's what's up. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly uh-huh. right. And it, and it works hard detriment sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's preserved that culture. It, there's something yeah. beautiful. And I'm about proud that. of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing about you is that. You know, you're not. I mean, you embrace it completely. Like you mm-hmm. love your family love and your it. community, and you give back to them. And mm-hmm. and uh, that's obviously, you know, your heart is in that. And it's mm-hmm. a big point of pride for you. Yeah, yeah. And a big development since the last time we spoke was my Thibodeau Run Group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to hear about that. It it it's amazing. It's it's, it's gr- it it it's just random. Just like I was, I you know. When you said you on Instagram, you, you blew up, you know, I can't wait to meet you. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is so crazy. And I, and I, well, and I you're, said, you're why I came, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and know? I was like, so. when I, when I agreed to do this event, the first thing I did is I emailed you because I was like Marshall, Texas, Texas is a big state. I, it wasn't until I like looked on the map and I was like, oh, I fly into Shreveport. Wait a minute. Let me look at this. Like, oh, that's not that far. And I emailed you immediately. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you got to drive up. I got to yeah. meet you. Oh yeah. I didn't take long to respond either. That was, <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. we were actually laying in bed and I told BJ, I was like, hey, my wife, I was like, Hey. Mm-hmm. And she, she's like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah, I'm bummed that she couldn't make it up. I would yeah. love to have met her. Yeah, yeah, she was too. She was, she was bummed. So, I want to hear about the the running group, but let's yeah, go, let's go yeah, back sure, to the sure, uh, sure. the the timeline a sure. little bit. So, so all right. So, you're immersed in this this mashup food culture that's that's blowing you up. It's yeah. blowing your family members up. Right. I mean, you're you know, and the you, patriarch of our family was yeah. 380 pounds my whole life as a kid growing up. My grandfather was pushing 400 pounds, so that's mm-hmm. the ideal man to me. And and my dad was really really young when i was born so my dad was spent most of his time working 80 90 hours weeks mm-hmm. just keeping food on the table for his little micro family that he had started so just by default being the only i was the first born so until my brother came around i was i spent a lot of time with my grandparents mm-hmm. so i spent most of my time with them and my bam bam was way on mm-hmm. a pedestal you know and so if he's big guy I want to be one too, mm-hmm. and every I would get that reinforcement from family members, like, "Oh, you're gonna be just like your Bam Bam," and I would get that all the time. So it, it felt like destiny to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
you have this moment, you know, you're grappling with this stuff and you make this decision that you're going to, you're going to start tackling this after you look in the mirror and you're, you've snapped that denial. So, you know, where do you go from there? Like, what's the first? The first thing was, and we talked about this too, is my buddy, Jeff, who I've been friends with since kindergarten, he just called me randomly. I was on my way to school. I was actually circling the parking lot, looking for a space. And he's like, dude, I'm, I'm joining LaRusso's in the morning you know, let's, you come in with me. I was like, yeah, I'm going. And so that's, that's where the working out started. And so it, it started for me. I was like, yes, I have to fix this. I have to do something different. So that was a big part of the, the getting the inertia getting started. Having a buddy, to having do it a with buddy, you, like the, and the, here having the accountability right, that and comes with that. Here, and yeah, and we have no problem getting on each other about slacking, right. even though I'm <laughs> honestly giving him a little bit of a break right now because he's not running and he's, he's off he's the kinda, game. He's, yeah, he's killing me a All little right, bit. We're going to call but him he, out right now. Yeah, but he has been, <laughs> he's been making babies like a crazy person. So right, I, I, I him cut a him a little bit of slack. But no, so we got started working out and, uh, and, I just wanted, I think it was the more educated brain that I had sort of cultivated for myself by going back to school. And, and, it, and it made more sense to me that, you know, rather than just uh, for aesthetics, it, it is important. I am going to be older. Mm-hmm. It is important to be healthy. So those those thoughts probably started entering my mind for the first time then. But you um, had this idea of mm-hmm. being in a suit and talking in front yeah, of people. Exactly. Like you that had was a, the first kind of a goal, right? Right. Like, that was a goal. I want so to ironic because now you're in this position to do that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that that was kind of like part of the initial spark. Yeah, it, it is. And so I was worried about I was worried about that. So we spend these we spend time at Larusa, and and like I was saying. It, in the beginning, I was so fat that it didn't take a whole lot of effort to get the weight off. Mm-hmm. It, it was just I was wiggling a little bit, like we talk about. I, right. I would go in the gym and and we would get started, you know, moving about, get get sweating, and oh, but I was always with my whey proteins and right. you know doing all of these things. And but I was losing weight anyway. Were you trying to run a little bit too, not or walking yet. around? No, not early. And no, mm-hmm. I was I was just walking hitting, on hitting campus. The Hitting the weights. Like trying to get boom, bigger. Bench press, like old football <laughs> yeah, stuff. You know, yeah, I want to yeah. be strong. Well, that's what you knew. I'm a big man. You know, that's what mm-hmm. pound the chest and 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 um so that that was the that was how I was gonna get healthy, is just be big and swole mm-hmm. and get rid of this fat. And that that was that was the aim. So when does it transition into this it transition idea later? Of- so that we did that in February. He called me in February of that year. Um his wife actually it was kind of cool. She had found a note in her in her uh, calendar that said, "Josh and Jeff start Larousse today." It was uh, so cool that she sent me a little picture of it. Do you it. remember what date that was? Yeah, well, I don't remember the exact date, but it was in, it was it was in February. I remember that, mm-hmm. and it was so during the spring semester, February two thousand ten. Th- yeah, two thousand eleven. Oh, two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay. So I graduated in December two thousand eleven. So it was February two thousand eleven, and I had all of my. I knew I had my business uh, four hundred nine. Uh, class coming up, and I knew I had all of these different presentations, and so so February started, and my only walking, like I would walk around campus carrying a school bag a lot. So, and we'd have to. I had some classes mm-hmm. in, on opposite ends of the campus, and so I, I considered my walking around campus with my big ass and my big <laughs> and my big school bag part of my workout regimen. Right, and then I would go to the gym and lift and. That's mm-hmm. what. That's what is. But the. But it, the running didn't even come into th- 
a thought until later in that year. We got I got closer and closer to graduation. I was feeling good about myself. I had lost 60 pounds or so. And at the same time, we're spending every weekend in New Orleans. My wife and I mm-hmm. are. We love New Orleans. And so at that same time, this idea of the Crescent City Classic that had already, I, I see all these people running around New Orleans and I, I see all these runners and it seems really cool. I had always, always heard about the Crescent City Classic. I was like, what if I could run the Crescent City Classic? That'd be huge mm-hmm. if I could go from where I was at the beginning of this year to the beginning of next mm-hmm. year. I'm going to run a 10K. Six miles, though. And so that's what me and Jeff, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, I would say that was the beginning of the end of the old me, mm-hmm. right? It was, you set a goal. That's it. So everything snaps into focus. Mm-hmm. Then once you do that, like your life kind of structures around this idea yeah. of accomplishing this thing that seems impossible yeah. at the time. Yeah. And and that was it. And so after I did the first one, it, just like we were talking about before, it almost killed me. I was mm-hmm. big and fat. I was 320, so I had lost even more weight by the time the race got there. So I was uh, I had lost 80 pounds by that first race. And um, I finished, but like I was telling you, I wasn't proud of the finish. Mm-hmm. I had finished, and I had, that was my goal. That's all I deserved was just a finish. But when I got done, that was not good enough for me. I was mm-hmm. like, no. Nah, Man, I can do better than this. It's interesting because that easily could have been you could have gone left on that and just it said, I did me. it. Right. Yeah, I checked the box, never again, not doing that again. That didn't feel good. Yeah. You know what I and but instead it like just stoked your flame. It did. It it, it sparked me because I had worked so hard to get to that point and I felt like I had been bitch slapped a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so I kind of got indignant about that bitch slap. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know what? And um, so I refocused. And my wife jumped on board with me that second year. My wife was like, hey, let's do this together. And we'll do a mm-hmm. sub one hour 10K. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's, that scared the shit out of me. So I, I, And I didn't want to disappoint my wife because we were doing this as a team. And I knew that she's a beast. And that if she said that we were going to do that, she's definitely was going to be prepared right. to do that. So I better, better be able rise to up. follow. Right. I better be better able man to, up. Yeah. Or she is going to uh-huh. punk me. What about your, your buddy from the gym? Was he doing this stuff? Too, not the, not not? the second uh-huh. one. No. Gotcha. no, he did the first one. With he did you, the though? first one uh-huh. with me. Yeah. And he just, he helped me through. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of walk jogging and that, and, right. You know, things of that nature. But, but my brother did come in on the, the second one. My uh-huh. brother popped in with me, and uh, he started, you know, running a little bit, starting the idea, lose weight, and all of these things. So, but yeah, the the second one we did get the sub one hour, uh-huh. and um, that felt really cool. But what happened before that second, before the second one, right before the second one, was a buddy of mine who was also training for the Crescent City Classic said, "Hey, I'm reading this book." Uh, called Born to Run, dude. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like something that's right up your alley. I think that you would dig it. And I was like, sure, man. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna check. It. As a matter of fact, no, he gave me the copy. Mm-hmm. He gave me his paperback copy. And I was like, cool, thanks. And I read it, and it blew me away. It mm-hmm. completely blew me away. I was like, wow, people run like I'm thinking a 10k. I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm running six miles, you know, and. 
ultra marathon, like marathons seemed unfathomable at mm-hmm. the time. And ultra marathons, that was just crazy talk. I, it wasn't even, right. I couldn't even talk about it. It's like telling a guy who's got five days of sobriety, you know, he's talking to a guy who's got 20 years. Like it just yeah. doesn't even, how does that it, even it work? Just didn't com- right? It just didn't compute, you know? And I was, but I was still intrigued. I was like, wow. And, but the biggest thing that Born and Run did for me was introduce me to Scott Jarrett. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this dude's an animal and he doesn't eat plant. I mean, he doesn't eat meat at all. He's, mm-hmm. you know, completely plant-based. And that, that was, that shattered my idea because I know some people, I, well, not, I knew one person that was vegan. <laughs> and Who was that person? She was not a good example. <laughs> Because she's dainty and light and skinny and pa- not pale. She's just a very white person, mm-hmm. you know. She's and uh, she's very sweet and very compassionate. And she's a veterinarian, and she's vegan. And that was that was your frame of reference. That was my frame of reference. That's the only one I knew. And I was like, I can't be a vegan. I'm gonna. I would look so silly that skinny and you know. <laughs> And, meanwhile, you're yeah. how, how, weighing what yeah. at this oh, yeah, point? Exactly. You're like worried about yeah. getting too skinny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know? and, but uh, it planted that seed. Yeah, it did. It started making you it kind did. of question and, a few right. things. And I was like, Scott Jerick's a beast. I was listening to him, you know, and so I was like, I have to read his book. So I got his book mm-hmm. afterwards and I read that. And then after I read his book, I was like, is he an anomaly or are there others or what, you know? And I immediately went and I put, I just put in Ultra in my iPad on the mm-hmm. iTunes, on the uh, iBooks app, you know, and up popped Finding Ultra. Mm-hmm. I wasn't so looking I the for, right, I picked the right title. Right, yeah. So I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't looking for another plant-based athlete. That's mm-hmm. not even close. You just want to learn how to train. I want to learn ultra more marathons, about this ultra world. Right. These yeah. ultra marathons blew yeah. my mind, and I was very intrigued. So I started reading your book, and then lo and behold, I was like, wow, this dude, he's plant-based too. too. <laughs> What's going Cause on? Because you started out talking. You yeah. were eating a lot like me, you know? Yeah. And, we, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. And he, I was like, oh, this is the, his first step to becoming an ultra marathoner was – Adopting a plant-based lifestyle. Wow. And then immediately after your book, which yours was most compelling to me because Scott Jerk was a beast from day one. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's he a was bit, like it's born. A story. Like, exactly. He was born running. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he's just an animal. Whereas you resonated with me because it was a, it was parallel to mine, um, minus all the Ivy League stuff and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, I, and, and I was, my starting point was a little bit different, you yeah, know. Yeah. I wasn't 400 pounds. No, know? exactly. So, but yeah, you, you resonate with because party animal, eat like a slob, mm-hmm. I, that I identified. And you completely 180'd it. And I was like, okay, I can do this, I think. And um, I, so that really sent the message home. Like this is what you need to do, and I just committed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already committed to it after your book, but then um, read I read Brendan Brazier's book, uh-huh. and and that even just further solidified everything. And then then Forks Over Knives, and then China Study, and right. then Hole, then Esselstyn's book, and all these things. I just was gobbling up, 
info, which I would have never done probably if I hadn't gone to school and gotten an education. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would have never just gobbled up all of that mm-hmm. uh, text like that. I would right. have never done that. So your head's spinning yeah. like a top with all this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. at what point do you like tell someone like you're thinking about this? Down I told my wife first, obviously. <laughs> she, she was okay because yeah. she never, besides cheese, it was it was okay. It was easy mm-hmm. for her because she never really dug the idea. I, we'd go to steak restaurants and stuff, and she it wasn't yeah. that wasn't her well, thing. It's, it's a lot easier talking to women about this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But what, what, when it comes to your boys, my brother was my brother literally said he because I during my whole weight loss. Remember, I had been on a weight loss journey for almost a year, mm-hmm. and already. And so and so how so you're you maybe lost 100 pounds at this right, point something like correct. that but were you starting to plateau? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I was not only out. was I starting to plateau, but I was starting to at certain points, man, I'm running so much, I'm working out so much, I can have whatever right, I right, want. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're falling into and that. And so trap. I'm I'm drinking a lot of beer and doing a lot of pole boys. I'm still losing weight. Um I have some a uh, video of I I posted screenshot of it with my pit, my barbecue pit, not just recently about for the 4th of July in 2012, and I was down 85 pounds at that point, but mm-hmm. I had a pit loaded with just, we had all kinds of stuff, brisket, right. and I mean, we were just loaded down, we had jambalaya going like, on. I'm running, it's, yeah, no, it's exactly. nothing but a thing. But the weight loss had completely out, stopped, right. and I was like, yeah. So real quick, tell me what a po' boy is again. A po' boy, a po' boy is a, a sandwich. <laughs> it's a sandwich. It's an, pork or something? It's an amazing sandwich. It, the, the, the protein on it is interchangeable. You, it's, it's not really about which protein is on the sandwich. The po' boy is more about the bread. The bread is um, a specific, in my opinion, it must be on Leidenheimer loaf, which is a very chewy crust French loaf bread, mm-hmm. long skinny loaf. It's very Leidenheimer's sp- like a brand. Leidenheimer is a local local brand. That, in my opinion, that's the only. It's got to be that boy. way. That's a yeah. po' boy. <laughs> Everything else is a sandwich. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's got to be a po' boy. And my jam was fried oyster po' boys. Mm. And there's a place in New Orleans called Donalisa's where the it's the best fried it's oyster po'. It's the it's insane. It's insane. And so my jam was Leidenheimer. I mean a a po' Uh, Donalisa's po' boy, uh, Donalisa's oyster po' boy, large, obviously, and I would do, because um, I'm a fiend for Zapp's potato chips, so I would do the po' boy, the Zapp's potato chips, usually, like, they got a dill pickle one, I would do the dill uh-huh. pickle chips, and a Bark's root beer. That is my That's dream it. meal, that was, that was it, man, uh-huh. that was it, and I had that meal, Right. I eat that a lot. And so you're rewarding yourself for all this running, which right. is doubling uh-huh. down on that. Yep. So the weight loss. So the weight happening. loss just stopped. And then I actually went the other way hmm. a little bit. And, and when it happened, like I had noticed probably 10 pound weight gain at a certain point. I sort of was, was I was like, no, a rubber band I'm going to go. I, no, I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, you know, that's when I was like, hey, the food has to change forever. Mm-hmm. And and then that's just what I did, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, 
so you, you make this commitment. Your wife knows about it at first, right? Yeah. So what's well, the, no, what's get the back first? to yeah, my like brother. A... My brother. So we were on this, I've been on this weight loss journey, and I had been trying to get my brother to come along with me. I love him very much. He's my brother. We're very close in age, and and um, he has, by the way. But at the time, I was like, hey, he does. We're going to do this together, you know? And um, so I would- so what, always, go vegan? Get, Come yeah, on. no, well, not yet. We were just <laughs> losing weight at this okay. point. So And then so I was telling him about all of these things I'd learned. I was like, listen, now, um, you have to listen to these people with, you know, with a grain of salt. That's what, and then I was like, just, it's, you know, just more things to what you think and kind of, I was trying to coach him through the, my mindset as I was learning new information about losing weight and becoming Mm -hmm. healthy and all these things. And when I popped the, uh, think I'm gonna go completely plant-based. He was like, bruh, (laughs) what happened to that grain of salt? (laughs) (laughs) I, I got was, dissolved. Yeah, he. I was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, but just give me a minute, and um, you know, everything wound up working out just fine. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he thought I was absolutely nutballs crazy. Right, you but know? he's on board now. Uh, yes, one hundred percent. My brother is one hundred percent plant based. My mom is. My sister crazy. is. My brother in law. My mother in law. My wife. That's amazing. And my 83-year-old 80 year grandfather. Yeah, I want to hear more about that because we were talking about that yeah, the other day, insane. which is extraordinary. Um, so, all right, so you jump, you jump in and you're just doing it from the get-go, like whole hog right off the bat, like 100% or everything you ease but into it? Or? I, I got rid of everything almost immediately except for feta cheese. That was the only thing that I had. And I was like, eh, just this feta's not hurting anything because it's mm-hmm. great on my salad, you know? And so, and I lived that way for a while and things were going great. And I, mm-hmm. and I watched Forks Over Knives. And then I was like, the, Forks Over Knives made me shed that last little morsel that I was holding right. on to. And... Um, and that was that was it. it. I haven't looked back since. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked back since. Was there? Did you go through like a like a couple weeks of you know cravings and detoxing? You know, I really coming off that kind of food or no? I really didn't because it was like a project to me. So it never got. I never really. I still to this day. I don't. I don't know how I did it, but it was some sort of mindset to where I got angry almost. At the food. Like I said with the po' boy, how me and po' boy kind of, we have a term, we call it split draws, where you're not friends anymore, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, me, I, I, I asked you last time, like, how's it going with po' boy? And you're like, po' boy and I, we're not talking. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we done broke up. Yeah, we, we over. We're it's, over. Yeah. It's over, bro. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that mindset, I think, was really curbed my tendency to say crave things or or really miss things because I was focused on, hey, I'm going to eat this way and then I'm going to get faster and I'm going to become a better runner. And next year for the Classic, I'm going to... Well, what wound up happening is that next year for the Classic, I wound up chasing a poster, which that... A poster is is that's, this is a race of twenty five plus thousand people, mm-hmm. and if you get a top five hundred finish, you get a poster. It's a limited edition mm. poster, and um, 
I didn't know I wanted a poster. I didn't know that. I didn't even know about a poster. All I know is we. I was running and I was getting faster and faster and I was I was trying to go, go sub fifty minutes. That mm-hmm. was my goal. I wanted to get sub fifty minutes. And then I had started running with this run group in New Orleans. I would drive from Thibodeau to Mid City and run with Louisiana Run Company Run Group. These dudes are insane fast, and it was mm. just me with my big ass just chasing them around, yeah. going God. And like we'd do a five mile route, and by mile two, I couldn't see anybody anymore. I didn't even know if I was taking the right route back, you know. Mm. And I would just get my way back to the shoe store and you know hang out with them for a little bit. But anyway, one day I went on a. I didn't have a route planned. I just got in with the lead pack of runners. With the run group. On a training run. On a training run. And I said, I'm going to just hang with these dudes. And I'm going to just, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I know every, because there's a five-mile route, a six-mile route, and a seven-mile route, seven-mile route. So when we didn't turn for the five-mile route, and we were running like a 720 pace the whole mm-hmm. time, which is, at the time, was insane yeah, fast for me. So, and we didn't turn to go back on the five mile route. I was like, holy oh, shit, we're going to do six on. miles? <laughs> and then we didn't turn at the six mile. I was like seven miles of this i don't know if i could do it and and um seven so we did the seven mile route and then the last half mile they all just left me but i was still able to maintain like that 720 pace for seven miles and inside that training run i had run like a 46 minute five uh, 46 minute 10k i was like well Mm -hmm. There goes you my. Went four minutes faster than your goal time. Yeah, I was the like, race. there goes my goal. I was like, so guess what? You need a new goal, bro. So that's what. So I didn't know what my new goal was gonna be. So there was the Shamrock Run, which I just finished. This is a little eight k in the city, and and I ran that, and I was pretty quick. I was almost seven flat for that for that eight k, which is almost five miles. It was right at five miles, and then afterwards, after the race, we're talking, and it was like. I was talking with some other runners and like, dude, you're getting close enough. You might, it might be poster time for you. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's a po- what poster time? What, what are you talking about? Well, for top 500 finish, get a poster. And uh, I was like, really? Okay. I like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about the poster. Yeah, you could kind of like uh, hang your hat on that. Yeah, like, hang yourself like, back oh, so this, I would be sort of like in a group of some of the 500 fastest runners in this race, mm-hmm. which wow, that's cool. I'm coming from the back of the pack. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really cool. And they were like, but the trick is you have to get seated and be in a seated corral or you'll never be in the top 500. Oh, because you're back. You're too far Because you're going to be behind strollers and right. stuff trying to catch in because they go off of gun time, not chip time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so here we go. I got to, and luckily I had met up with my buddy, Jonathan, and we ran a couple of, 10Ks. He told me about the seated thing, and he's like, you got to do a sub 45-minute 10K to get up into one of those corrals. So I did a sub 45-minute 10K mm-hmm. and got into there. Um, we actually did one together over the Luling Bridge, he and I did, because when he found out that I was seated, he was like, dude, now I got to go get right. seated. So he And I ran that race with him, but we both got – I could have seated again that day, you know, uh-huh. and – um so that was really cool. So here I am seated, and we get to the Crescent City Classic, and I'm like, feel like an elite. I'm up here where the Kenyans are. You right, know, I'm not right, in their right, corral, right. but I'm up in the front. You're right up in the front. Right. This is insane to me, you know. And as a matter of fact, that morning in that seated corral is when he brought up to me the idea of running the New York City Marathon. Mm. 
it's not that's just that's crazy that's 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 really cool and so the gun goes off and i ran a 4303 wow that that day uh-huh. yeah. did you get the poster i got the poster, got the poster. i was 429th so you're like that's like 33 minutes faster than the first time that you did it yeah, in a period my, of two uh, years. Yeah, my two half years. marathon times like 10 minutes or 15 minutes faster than that first 10k. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy, man. And how long had you like? How long had you, had you been plant based, and and what did that do to the weight loss and the running performance and the training and all that kind of stuff? Like steep growth curve. It I just blew up when I really went, and not even just plant based, but when I really went specifically whole foods, mm-hmm. very clean. Um, those those things. The the weight had started to slow down because I was almost done losing weight. Cause when I really committed to plant-based after that first one hour, um, that whole year after I'd done that first one, I lost weight like crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause I was training for, I was training for my marathon, you know, mm-hmm. cause I did four marathons last in 12 months, the past past year. Correct. <laughs> right. And, um, so I just, I lost tons of weight because I was, I was doing, you know, I started off my first marathon. I was only running like 30 mile weeks. I didn't realize that I needed to log a lot more miles. So I was easing myself in and the first marathon crushed, crushed me. That's around the time that you interviewed me. I was on my, I was about to run my first marathon. You were getting ready to run your first marathon. That's that's correct. But in retrospect, I think that probably was smart. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Instead of just ramping it up too quickly. That's why I'm taking this approach with the ultra marathons mm-hmm. i mean i have people pulling me in different directions saying hey come run, run this one with run me come miles. run 100 miles with yeah. me i'm like no nah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm cool man i'm enjoy i want to enjoy this with my people i want to do it bit by bit by by like you know that i don't even know who to credit for but you know the old saying you know the only way to eat elephants one bite at a time mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i'm doing right now what I think is interesting is that at some point along the way you you kind of made this decision that this was not about weight loss. This wasn't about a number on a scale. It wasn't even necessarily as much about being healthy, but you made this decision, like, I'm going to be an athlete. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of talked about it earlier today. Like you decided to tell this new story about who you are, as opposed to like, I'm Josh, the overweight, funny guy. Like I'm Mm -hmm. Josh, the runner, I'm Josh, the athlete. And then you could kind of let go of that pressure of whatever the scale said and just focus on getting better as an athlete. And Mm -hmm. then I think, I think I recall you saying, the last time we talked that that was like a, you know, when everything, it was kind of a quantum leap in terms mm-hmm. of like weight loss and then how you were able to like rapidly improve. Right. Because the mind is so much more powerful than I ever gave it credit for, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and when, because I know so many runners, I have so many runner friends that are like, oh, I don't know, that's too fast for me. Or, oh, I'm just, uh, you know, they they sell themselves short a lot. And, and I don't think they really realize how powerful it is to say to yourself, you don't have to be arrogant about it, but we're bad. We're badass. We mm-hmm. can handle this. And, and, and it takes that. And then in a race, you know, you you running, and I know that I have run myself to dry heaves on the track 
I know where I've from where I've come. And so when I'm in those last miles of a race and, uh, you know, no offense to anyone else in the race, but I see a guy that's ahead of me, a part of me thinks he doesn't deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, t- I, and I think that that's totally natural and totally human. I think that's what we do, you know? But that's such a huge leap from being the guy who's, you know, kind of self-deprecating and, and, you know, and kind of privately shameful about it, it your all, situation. It all goes back to a strong, I'm going to try to keep a straight face, but uh-huh. a strong woman that could see what needed to happen mm-hmm. for me, you know, and helped kind of gently steer me there because fixing the way I thought about myself and what is possible changed my my life more than plants, more than running, more than any of these things. It's what went on inside my mind. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, right? And she, uh, you know, she was always able to see that better version of you she's locked always, in there. She's always thought I, I'm so awesome and I never could understand why. You know what I mean? I never. And that's got to be frustrating for a person to be constantly telling somebody how amazing they are. And that person's completely like, eh, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know I'm a, and being a complete rain cloud on any good things that she would say like yeah but i'm fat or la 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 you mm-hmm. know and so that has been the most that you know how I, how i've been able to with help switch some very simple things in my brain to uh make me more confident you know not not fake bravado confident like really deep confidence in myself that, that, you know, I can set this goal, this running goal. Mm. There's more complex life shit, life shit that, (laughs) that is not so that's one draw to running is like, it never ends. Yeah. It's like, here's this thing that I'm in control of that. I, I, it's very simple. All you have to do is go grind and are you willing to do it? Mm hmm. And when you, that makes you, I think, makes me a better person in all the rest of my interchanges with other humans or Mm -hmm. situations in my life. I'm with you, man. I mean, you know, particularly the part, the part about having, you know, a strong partner who can see, who can see the, the real you and, you know, locked inside of you. And, And I had a very similar experience with Julie. I mean, you know, I was a, I was dense, you know, dense and like just like physically heavy, but just kind of emotionally yeah. dense. And she yeah. was always able to like see through that mm-hmm. and believe that there was something better in there. Yep. And rather than push me to just hold that space for me to come out, yeah. right? And And that's a very different thing from being somebody who's trying to force somebody to do something but just holding that like neutral space and like never wavering in that belief is mm-hmm. like this magnet, you know, like that's calling to you. Mm-hmm. And when the time is right, you know, to be able to kind of blossom out of that and step into it. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It is. And it and it, and it echoes a lot something that I've adopted uh lately 
is in is this this sort of concept this this analogy that I use that you know I I can I think of myself or I try to think of myself as as a lighthouse right and so all I can do is be steady and bright and and just shine as bright as I can and be a rock you know what I mean I'm unwavering and I'm okay with being that I'm on I'm okay with that and um that's in a lot of ways that's what my wife has been for me all the time we've been together and 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 um so I learned that and I'm trying to use that in now in running and plants I'm trying to use that uh that that same model that just to not be pushy but I'm going to be so bright and so I'm just I'm you can't miss me. Mm-hmm. You cannot miss me. <laughs> and that's the point, uh-huh. right? There's there's few things more powerful than that when you just stand firm in who you are. Yes. And and you know, you were talking about energy earlier like people can feel that. They mm-hmm. can feel that from a long way out, man. You right. know, when you're just standing confident in who you mm-hmm. are, self-assured, you know exactly who you are, what you stand for, what's important to you. That's it. And you don't need anybody to tell you what's what. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's when people are magnetized towards you. So as opposed to running around chasing people, seeking approval mm-hmm. or, or, you know, trying to petition people to come over to your way or any that's of that, it. it's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is who I am. People that are resonating on that vibration are going to come to me. Mm-hmm. And then we can do something. That's it. You know, and 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 I, it's really cool that I that I sort of adopted that thing in my head, and I even hashtag that sometimes lighthouse when I'm talking mm-hmm. about stuff. Oh, that's and, what that means. Uh, now. Yeah, no, right. No, yeah. And so because you got some cryptic hashtags, yeah, brother. And, but, and, <laughs> I don't know and what you're talking right, about half the time, and, and that's on purpose because it's <laughs> the people that the people the people that do know. No. Yeah, and, I know And that. it's like my thing. And yeah. it's, so it's cool. And um, Who dat? Right. Yeah. Fat boy's doing it. Yeah, fat boy's doing it. That's <laughs> what. And then I started realizing, okay, so I hashtag these things. So I need to keep doing it so I can connect. If anybody clicks on ha- this hashtag, they'll see all of these posts. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I want to be able They're to. All, no one else is using that hashtag. Right. right? right exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, but I read a, I read a, a a quote recently is a meme on Instagram that said something like, um, I can't remember it exactly, but it said, lighthouses just stand there. They don't go around looking for ships to save. And I, I thought that was very poignant. And I was, mm. that's like, that's, you know, you, you kind of can turn people off a little bit, especially when you live where I live. If you're too sort of, you try to be too persuasive about it mm-hmm. it's 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 a lot better it's 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 a lot more well received if someone is approaching me of course and and that's uh, not that's not right. you know that's not just southern louisiana right. I think that's no matter where you are and so i've always i've tried to even though i think i have the best idea that everybody should do try try to just be me and when people have some, when they desire some specificity, you'd be some. I, you probably, you're probably not surprised, but I have tons of people who 
Facebook message me, and I'll, I don't know, I give people mm-hmm. my cell phone number and email. I don't care. Holla, let me know what you have a question. Careful, I'm man. A, you better I'm, be careful. I'm, I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah. I'm an open book, you know, and feel free, ask away. And they do. People ask, mm-hmm. people ask a lot. And um, some of the most proud people that have, that have, um, asked or that I'm most proud of having shared with is some of my people that I know, you know, in the 3D world where we mm-hmm. actually physically see and, you know, run with each other, My some of my running buddies. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's been cool to have like these, this, this uh, pack, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, a really astute, um, concept of how to effectively communicate. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, is important, especially in the plant-based community because, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing that turns people off more than like a preachy vegan, you know, God, and they turn and, me and, off. And, and there's, I mean. a, there's a big problem with that um, in, uh, you know, in that community with respect to outreach to mainstream Americans who are just living their life. And I don't begrudge them. Like I, you know, I think, Everybody has their own personal journey and their reasons for having the perspectives that, that they have. And, you know, I think it, it's probably fair to characterize, you know, people that are vegan, especially people that are vegan for ethical reasons, to be very passionate about it and frustrated when people don't see things their way and they want to profess and all of that. And they can't see that, that you know, ultimately they're undermining, you know, their own goal by being that way. But, you know, I can understand it and I'm compassionate towards that. But I think it is a far more effective way to just um, be the lighthouse, yeah, you know, be that, the lighthouse. Absolutely. And you got to be in it for the long haul when you're the lighthouse. Right. That's a big, you know? that's a big yeah. commitment. That is a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is, you know, being on all the time. And I don't have a problem with it. I love being on. On is my default mode now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down. I'm cool. Right. All right. So four marathons yeah. in one year. You grew that gnarly beard for the New York City <laughs> yes. Marathon. Yes. And that was the big one, right? That was quite a trip, man. That was, that was a bucket list marathon. Mm-hmm. And here I am, a newbie runner, you know running the new york city marathon that and was, how long did you grow you were like what the thing was like i'm not shaving until not i shaving. Fin- come across the finish line how That's long it. did you grow that nasty thing so three, <laughs> it was, it was it. gross <laughs> my wife she's like it smells bad i hate it <laughs> so yeah that wasn't like a brooklyn hipster beard that, <laughs> that was like that growing was all over the place full grown <laughs> caveman beard and uh yeah, so we trained for about three months, I guess. So that was it. Yeah, you pushed some hair out of your face. Oh yeah, man. man. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, three or four months, maybe. I can't remember exactly. Uh-huh. But uh, so, what was that like running New York City? Had you been in New York City before? Never. Wow, that must have been a trip then. Insane, especially rounding the bridge into Manhattan, where it's like running into the Super Bowl. Well, the big, the screaming. big aha, like the big holy shit, I'm in New York, was coming into the airport and, you know, Manhattan's you off to my right. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, the Statue of Liberty. I was blown away the whole time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I was like, oh, man, this is just... And, you know, I was emotional for that entire trip, you know, because mm-hmm. look where I am. I've just come so far. It's it's just, it's just overwhelming at times, you know. And uh, it's not like... I've come so far and now I'm here. It's I'm comf- I've come so far and I'm still going like this m- moving progressing 
is the new normal now, mm-hmm. not like achieving a thing. And that too is 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 profound. And that's a major thing that happened in my head too. Meaning, like, uh, there's no destination. There's to this, no destination. But it's just a continual right. evolution. There's little like superfluous goals along the way, like you know, but the grind. The and I and I don't say that in a negative way. Like it hurts to train really hard. But that's part of the draw because it makes you feel alive. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you feel alive. Um, well, I mean, you're you're a you know you're a pretty soulful cat, yeah, and yeah. and I think it's more. There's more to this. It's more complicated than you know. I was fat and I wanted to get thin and I wanted to like run a race and see what I could do. Like, you know, what were the questions that? that you were trying to answer about yourself that running helped you figure out, do you think? Um, I've really, I don't know. I've never thought of it like that. Um, it was, I guess, just being proud of myself was a big one. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big one for me. And I've gotten a taste of that. And I like, I like, liking me i like being proud of me that was a that was a big one that's a big one that running has brought to me mm-hmm. i would have to say that that's a big one um and then running new york city running new york city that, i mean you you and the way i did it too so i had to i did a charity i had to do the charity to get in it's not mm-hmm. like i can qualify for new york only elites qualify for new york and um not that i if they have I, a lottery but right, well yeah to actually get in to that's, know that you're going to get in correct yeah, yeah. and so so I had to do because my buddy he he was able he got in not through a lottery but he he got an invite and he was going and so I was gonna tag along so I had to do the the charity route to to get an entry mm-hmm. so I did that and a lot of the, the the thing that made that possible for me was having you know having been on your show that made that possible mm-hmm. really to raise the money. To be able to go to the New York City Marathon, I had all of these people that were interested in mm-hmm. what I was doing and right. all this stuff, and Is I was this like, "Guy going to be able to make it? <laughs> let me just stick it out there and That's see." Cool. And so, people—I mean, you have no idea the generosity of, of the people that are connected to me through you. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I don't—it's I, I, impossible for me. Thank you properly, but yeah, yeah. no, no, that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean that that. You know, that's why I do this, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's giving back, yeah. you know? And it's like, the more you give back, the more you get. And my life is enriched by having you in it. And it it just warms my heart to see you like run with it and blossom, man. It's just, it's awesome. Yes, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fun to do it. It really is. And you got there. Got ran there. Ran the race. Ran the race. Well, before I ran the race, my wife tried to... Make me well, not that it would have been very hard to make me cry at that point because I was very like I was on edge the whole weekend. But she and my friend Jonathan had had been texting and arranging a surprise that she was going to meet me in the lobby the morning of the the uh, the race. And so the night before the race, however, she was in a five k in New Orleans the the day before, and she got she happened to get interviewed by. The local news, uh-huh. and I'm watching the news clip on 
online. Online. Uh-huh. And she says in the news clip essentially that she's flying to New oh, York no. tomorrow. <laughs> so she blew it. She, <laughs> she blew it. And so already knew she was going to be there. And we walk out in the lobby the next morning mm-hmm. and she was there. It was still very, it was amazing to have my baby there um, with me, you know. And so that that was that was that was awesome. That mm-hmm. was awesome. I love having her around me. The video uh, that you posted uh, after you finished. Yeah, I thought about it. Almost didn't want to do it, but I felt like I had asked so much from everybody during my preparation for that race that you know let the walls down and just let mm-hmm. this, that fucking hurt like nobody's business, my friend. That hurt me. I was in the medical tent, actually, oh, wow. when I did that. Oh, you were? I didn't know I that. was sitting in a medical tent, had people rubbing on my legs and covering me with blankets and um, trying to feed me chicken broth. <laughs> I <said> no. <laughs> I was like, no chicken broth. <laughs> like, force, try to force like, What is wrong you? with this guy? Yeah. It's like, just hot water, please. <laughs> and so, but anyway... Uh, yeah, the the reason it hurt so bad is, you know, it's it was different. We had we had done our marathon training, um, you know, like everybody does. You get up in the morning, you go do your long runs, you do, you have your normal rhythm. Mm-hmm. All of the races I had done the lead up to that, because I even drove to, uh, I drove to Alabama and to northern Alabama so I could run a half marathon in in hills. So mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, so, but. That's normal race time. That's like you get up, you go to the start-finish line, and you go run. Well, the whole loop, I got, uh, you know. The ordeal of getting the, to the start line Right, in New it was York, like, like a five-hour yeah, ordeal. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like by the time you're at the starting line, you're worn out. Exactly. And all of these logistics and thinking, you know, our brains are huge calorie hogs, and I'm just worrying and thinking and, you know, five hours before race time, I have all of this. I got to get on a bus in Manhattan and ride the bus to mm-hmm. Staten Island and then get off and then find JT and, you know, all of these different things. These And um, we finally in the, we finally in the corral uh, and we inching up to the thing. And so we start peeling off all of the clothes that we had, you know, keeping us warm. And, and uh, so here, you know, I'm five hours in. I should be done with the marathon already right. and i'm just getting started and so and you you go right straight up the verrazano bridge immediately right boom right and it was a 20 mile an hour sustained wind that morning uh, headwind headwind I didn't know that. from from the verrazano bridge pretty much to the queensboro bridge mm. was against the wind and um but i was feeling good because i and my buddy Johnson's like, hey, dude, mile one was 740-something. He's like, may want to chill. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, not mile one, mile two, because it's on the backside mm-hmm. of the Verrazano Bridge. And uh, But we, we were clipping along. I was feeling good, high-fiving people all the way through Brooklyn. Well, the amazing thing about that race is that there's, I mean, I don't know if there's any other marathon where there's so many people the entire way. Like you'll have patches of people in other marathons yeah. where they're, but literally the entire way, it's it, just it lined was, with people. It was and pretty kick ass. Yeah. And, and just the different neighborhoods and how, you know, like you go through the Hasidic neighborhood and the yes. Puerto Rican neighborhood yes. and like you're just stimulated like the yes. whole time. So it's easy to get 
swept up and caught up in the energy and go yes. maybe a little bit harder than you should be. Yes, that's exactly. Uh-huh. And, but I do that anyway. That's kind of my mo. That's kind of how go I roll. Hard. I go out hard and try to out. hold off a dear life <laughs> at the end. That's just uh-huh. how I roll. And I, I try to, I try to not do that, but it doesn't ever really Can't work out. It. Yeah, no. I feel like I'm a big guy and I need to make hay while the sun's shining, and then. I'll deal with the rest later, you know. I'll deal uh-huh. with dying at the end of the thing or whatever, you know. <laughs> You're making so, it harder you, on yourself, though, I think, you know. Yeah, probably. You sound like my buddies. They all tell me this. Everybody mm. tells me, dude, just chill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But, no, if I was given awards for that day for, like, who Brooklyn kicked ass and um, up Fifth Ave was, you know, on the way into the park was. right. Badass, everybody. When everybody when you was. when you round into Manhattan, that's pretty extraordinary. Well, right? coming, to, I, I was kind of let down a little bit on First Ave coming in, coming down off of the Queensboro Bridge because it was so cold that morning. Uh, you see, so it was thirty nine degrees. That was another thing that, dude, thirty nine degrees with all of this wind, and I'm in a racing, uh-huh. I'm in a singlet. It's like oh, this is so out of my box, you know, right. so out of my norm. And um, but yeah, it was so cold and it was shaded. Right at the foot of the Queensboro Bridge on the mm. on that on the Manhattan side, right, so it's even colder. It was so nobody was hanging out right there. Uh, so the wall of sound really wasn't there that uh, day. That's and it was bad. like it was kind of bummed. I was like, oh man. And then fighting all the way up there, uh, up up First Ave was that was brutal because it just got finished with the Queensboro and it started to feel like work for the mm. first time going up the Queensboro Bridge, and. Uh, and so I was in I was in a lot of pain, and I was like, man, this is going to be a long marathon because I was already hurting in mile 15, 16, mm-hmm. started cramping in 18, I mean, in 19, completely locked up. And uh, thank God my, my buddy was there. He's, like, punching me in the hamstring, like, dude, let's go. Come on, man, you got it. So um was able – that from 19 to the finish line was just basically – me crying and gutting it out because I did. I was like, uh-huh. all these people are looking at me. I know that I, I have to finish strong, and you know, and and um, and so I just gutted it out and mm-hmm. sucked it up and kept pushing. You know? Well, you weren't out of tears because when you made that yes. video, man, you let it all hang it, out. Oh, did I? Yes. Yeah, I posted that on my Facebook page. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. You know, just a, the and fact I thought that about, you were right. willing to be like that open. You yeah. know, and that vulnerable, I think, says a lot about your character. And it was your podcast. Mm-hmm. It was actually your podcast that inspired me to be okay with doing that. And it was mm-hmm. that Preston Smiles episode. Mm-hmm. And he talked about love and he and all of these things where, you know, it just break the norm of that normal dude shit, you know? And uh, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going for it. I don't mm-hmm. care. I, this is a moment. Because I had just got off the phone with my mom and I was, my mom's like, you're in the medical town. <laughs> and so and so I just I needed to do a post. I I wanted to do a post and then I didn't uh have the energy to come up with anything to say. I didn't want to type you anything. You didn't have to. And I just I just punched the thing and I just shared exactly what I was feeling at the moment and I I hesitated for a second. I was like, "No, go for it." Mm-hmm. And and I put that's why I just I think I only put hashtag love in the whole mm-hmm. that's the only thing I wrote on it. Um it was extremely painful, yet at the same time, which is running does this crazy thing to you, the more it hurts, the more reward it feels like 
you know, the more rewarding it is. Mm-hmm. And that at that point, that was the the hardest thing I had ever done mm-hmm. in my life by far. It was mm-hmm. it was brutal. Well, I appreciate you, you know, sharing through that video, and I think that that's. You know, it was extremely human, and that's what allows people to kind of connect and identify with your story. And your willingness to allow yourself to, mm-hmm. to, to be that guy, I think, is, is, you know, a testament to, you know, a strong sense of your character. It's like you're not threatened by being vulnerable, <sighs> and that's, that's powerful. I think that's yeah. real strength, um, and that's beautiful, man. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, did, it didn't just happen by default. You know, it, it comes from trying to be better, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that better in me that I've strived towards is honestly, you know, and I'm not kissing ass or doing it. has come from you, man. It has come from your book. It has come from doing 15, 20-mile runs listening to your podcast, even though now that I run with buddies, they're cutting into a lot of my podcast time. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you better <laughs> tell them what's what, <laughs> man. Come on, your priorities. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, a lot of it has come from you and you, you know, I never had a big brother. I I was the big brother. I am the big brother. So I've always looked for that in my life. You're like a guy to look up to, you know, and I know we have dads and we have, but a big brother, it's a, it's, it's a different type of a thing, you know, and, and in some ways almost, I almost think of you like, like that. It's, maybe that's mm-hmm. too much, but it, it, it's true because You've achieved some things that I think are really cool and awesome, and like in, in, in like a little brother looking up to a big brother, you're like, I want to do that too. I want to be like that. I want to do this, and and I think that's healthy. I think it's normal. I think that's mm-hmm. you know how you find places you want to grow too. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's super kind of you to say, man. That that means a lot to me. It really wow. does. Um, but at the same time, you do the work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of talking and, yeah, not, a lot go, of, and yeah. not a lot of walking. Yes, you know? So, you know, I'm interested in, in, in really getting to the bottom of why it is that you think that you were able to make this shift in, in such a dynamic and, and compelling and profound way, uh, whereas other people struggle. Like you were rubber banding with your weight up and down. Um, I think that's where most people are and, mm-hmm. and, and remain. And you were able to break out of that and really like craft a completely new lifestyle. So when you look back on it now, I mean, I would imagine you have a little bit more perspective on it now than you did when we first talked. Um, I mean, how do you, you know, conceptualize that and how do you kind of translate that to other people that are, that are looking to you now saying, how do I do what you did, dude? Yeah. That's the million dollar question. Mm -hmm. That is yeah, you bottle the, that up, man. No <laughs> you, shit. You're talking Tony Robbins yes. type shit. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know? That is the million-dollar question. What And, and um, just like with what – just like how we talk about food and nutrition and how – we look for too – we look for too much specificity and answers sometimes about – what we should eat and why and all of those things. I think a lot of, I think those, that, that same, um, getting caught up in the details. Right. That, that's, that's right. Exactly. I think it's such a complex thing. I think, I think one big reason that I stopped yo-yoing was just like I said a minute ago was a big change. A big difference in my life was, um, I had this really powerful, strong, confident woman in my life 
who believed in me. And that was a big one. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Having that unwavering rock of support is that's huge. That's that's a that's a life changer, literally. Mm-hmm. It's a life changer. And uh that was one. Um and then you know, there there are things that happen, say, in, in a person's uh, family, an extended family that, you know, maybe maybe feuds or maybe maybe deaths that r- adjust one's perspective. And um, so these real everybody has these these things that 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 affect them um and put things in in perspective and i don't know how it i don't i don't know man i don't really know what i'm trying to say all all i know is i had a huge support system with with just my wife i have a family that i love dearly just like all families there's been problems along the way mm-hmm. and my way, new way of dealing with said problems was to make me better. That was, that was, does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, most people would default in the other direction, like family crisis or dissonance or whatever it is. You ought to be doing this. Yeah, is going to make you probably more defeatist or I don't know, maybe I should speak for myself, but I would imagine, you know, it, it's it's more. No, you're absolutely It's easier right. to, to let something like that provide you with an excuse to shrink. Right, and that's what and I had. So right. to be able to take that and say, I'm actually going to flip that equation and mm-hmm. use that to make me stronger. Yeah, yeah. is uh, that's an exceptional quality. I right, think. and I think because because those problems, like those sorts of things and complexities, and those were there my whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that's different is my wife. And I know that and I like I didn't realize it a hundred percent. Like I've always loved her, but I never realized it in the magnitude that is reality, how big of a deal, how much she has changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh so now going back to the you know, you got weird complex family issues that are very profound in your life and there's no seem like there's no solution to them and yet you're maybe the person that people look to for answers and so that was a big driver for me is like I don't I have all these I don't knows and then but I but here's one that I can control and lo and behold me turning all of that focus inward wound up Helping everything. Mm-hmm. And a cool is kind of cool. When you were in the early days of this, I mean, did you have buddies going, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still so what's, so, oh, they, I was going to oh, say, so yeah. what's it like now? It's, it's, it's still like that? Yeah. They're still have, trying to pull you my, back? I have a very few. They're not trying. Nobody's trying to pull me back, but people are still like, eh, whatever. Right. You know, um, but. You uh, move to California? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, I've surrounded myself with some really genuine people that get it. Um, and I have lost, not lost, but some of my older friendships have kind of faded. Like, I wish they hadn't because I reach out and... But we're not the same people yeah, anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's natural, though. When you grow, you know, mm-hmm. that landscape's going to shift, right. you know? And it hurts a little bit because we shared all of these times together and all the... And so, but we you're haven't not seen... Same, yeah, not you're, even you're not in, in the same place. Not even, in a, not even close. Right. Not even close. Well, I mean, just as somebody who's kind of observed, you know, this trajectory from afar and, you know, based on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> yeah. and very little else, I do see... Uh, you know, someone who really understands that uh, in order to keep going and to keep what you have, you got to give it back. Yes, sir. Right? And yeah. I've seen you invest in your family and in your community mm-hmm. and really step into this role of being of service, right? In, yeah. in the capacity of a lighthouse or otherwise. But, you know, the impact on your family alone has been mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah. So it, you got your brother on board. My brother lost 150 pounds. That's crazy. My grandfather lost over, he lost over 150 pounds. And that's been a journey. We were talking about that earlier today. We were listening to Dr. Robert Osfeld, who's going to be on the podcast soon, you know, and the other lectures, Garth Davis. And you were talking, you were sharing a little bit about your grandfather's journey. Like he's made this incredible progress. How old is he now? 83. So... He was super overweight. He's lost a ton of weight. And you go with him to the doctor and you're kind of interfacing with the doctor and Mm -hmm. the protocol that he's advising for your grandpa. Like, what does that look like? Like, what's going on? Well, he's been watching the the weight loss for the whole time it's been happening. And, and, And he knew what we were doing. He's like, are you just losing weight? Are you trying to lose weight? And I explained to him how we were eating. And he's like, you know. Well, what was the condition of your grandfather? My grandfather. How did, you, how did you convince an 81-year-old Cajun dude to start eating well, he's, your way? Yeah, he's not <laughs> Cajun, but yeah, I get right. your point. Yeah. he. Um, uh, honestly, he has dementia. So... And he's very easy to please these days, food-wise. And it, there's no really... You put it in front of him, and he's he happy. Mm-hmm. He's cool. Which, thank God for that. Thank God. Because... Usually you get crotchety. Yeah, he... Oh, trust me. Know? He's crotchety. He's <laughs> pissy as hell. Uh-huh. He's bossy. He can't... He can't... He can't really formulate what he wants to say sometimes, but he knows he wants to say it, and it just comes out in F-bombs and... You know, a swinging cane. Sometimes he just comes out pissed off is all he can muster. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the food, he's happy. And my mom, my mom really has embraced it. And my mom lives with him now and, and cooks for him mm-hmm. and does all of these things. So my mom spends the nights with him, and and I, I'm there with him pretty much every day. And my dad helps out too d- throughout the day. So we just basically just feed him, and he eats what we eat, mm-hmm. and we only eat this way. But in other, in in addition to the dementia, I mean, what are what's his health condition? Um, he's had he's you know he's had AFib my whole life, and um, being a a really large overweight man is his his enlarged heart and you know high cholesterol, high blood pressure, the whole the the right. norm, the right. norm. And um, so up until even like, oh shoot, 
we would go in there together, but we would both be fat, you know. Mm-hmm. And his cardiologist would say, you know, he would always be on his case about you should try to lose some weight, Mr. Allen, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it would never happen. And when it finally started did when it finally started to happen, Doc he was all pumped, he was excited, and I was like, I just want I'm he's like, What are you doing? And I told him mm-hmm. and he was like, Okay. And I told him about I told him about Dr. Campbell, I told him that I read the China study, I told him about Dr. Esselstyn, all these things, you know, and I'm talking to a cardiologist. My right. grandfather completely blew his mind. You know, he I swear he tells it, you know. You might have a point. He's like, I have like five stents uh-huh. about because we was talking about the, the standard American diet, mm-hmm. and, I, and mm-hmm. so it's like because I have five stents myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, yeah, the cardiologist has yes. five stents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay. All right. So so fast forward two uh-huh. or three visits, and every time. Bam Bam's losing more weight, losing more weight, losing, and I'm, and I'm like, and I'm reading this whole time, and I'm like, hey, don't you think you ought to start coming off with cholesterol <laughs> medication? He does uh-huh. not get dietary cholesterol at all, zero, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know why he's on cholesterol meds, and so he weaned him off, and he's completely off of that now, all the way off of statins. He's all the way off of statins. He's and his blood pressure. He's again, the blood pressure medicine was making his blood pressure too low mm-hmm. you know so he's feeling bad so and he's like well he needs to come off it so he's all the way off of that too but he still has afib and i don't think that that's a condition that's gonna go away with plants that's what right. i was talking to to uh, osfeld about osfeld yeah yeah, about yeah. Right. he knows a lot about that and so that's the only thing that's left is just he's on some memory meds and his uh pradaxa for his uh afib for his afib that's pretty amazing yeah, that's and, cool. So and, you got him going. Yeah. You got your brother. My brother. My what about mom, your mom's? My mom's on board. Uh-huh. Um, I still I'm harder on my mom than anybody because she does a lot of you know the cooking for the family for mm-hmm. gatherings and stuff. And so I'm always on her case about adding oil to things and stuff like that. Um, but for for the most part, she's. She really does really well. That's pretty extraordinary, but, yeah, man. She really does yeah. really well. Yeah. That's amazing. And um, so. And what about with kind of just the community at large? Like, I know you've done like little group things and stuff like that, little yeah, people workshops still, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a new um, health food store in Homa, and she, she's got, you know, health food, like a little health food grocery, and she does yoga, and she does a couple other little things. And so she did this little health expo, and um, just so happened she's friends with a person in New Orleans who's vegan eats I always go to. It's a a place called um, Three Potato Four, and it's just Mm -hmm. basically air fried fries, I guess, is Mm -hmm. what you, it's just convection oven, and they have Mm -hmm. wedge cut Organic potatoes. Right. That's what I do. Deep fried. They just they just bake them right. or whatever. And so I went in there one day, and this woman that owns this place was there visiting with the lady from Homa that has this health food store. And she's like, "Oh, funny, you should walk in. This is Josh, you know." And she kind of mm. gave her crash course of my story, and she's like, "Oh God, you have to come over." And so they set me up in a little room and asked and invited people in to hear my story. And I yeah. just fielded questions. I'm that's my favorite part about it is the questions because um, 
that's 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 my favorite part about interacting mm-hmm. with people is you ask me a question and then I get to formulate a response mm-hmm. to you. That I think that's the most productive way to speak. Yeah, I mean you can mm-hmm. you can directly well, sure. speak to their you know their concerns, and it's it's easier to just be genuine and authentic when you get yeah. up and you've got something prepared. You know how do you still be you and not make it sound like you're giving a speech? You mm-hmm. know it's a tricky thing. Yeah, I've said you it know. so many times. I'm okay, kind of okay with it now. You know, mm-hmm. it's still just a, it's it's a little awkward, obviously for for anybody to stand up in front of a room of people right. and talk about yourself. But this is your life now, man. It is. It is. I mean, looking back, you know, even two years ago, I mean, what do you, you know, did you think that you would be, you know, like kind of this (laughs) ambassador of health, you know, this inspirational figure? No, not even. I mean, what do you think about that? I think it's amazing and I love it. (laughs) I think it, and I think that I could have never dreamed it back then is the most profound and important part. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not always about, uh, you know, that laser focus on that thing that you have. Okay, I've set, you know, I've set this hypothetical, theoretical path, and this is where I'm headed. And putting the blinders on and going 100. I, I think it's great that I haven't decided to become this. Mm-hmm. That is just sort of life has grown into that mm-hmm. and and um i forget i'm so pissed because i'm drawing a blank on the guy's name but somebody shared a youtube is this australian comedian you might know who he is mm-hmm. I, I tim something i can't remember his that hilarious fella he's i mean somebody sent me a youtube uh clip of a like um, some speech he gave at his alma mater. It was it was uh-huh. amazing. But he said something. And I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly. But he said, "Don't focus on the future too hard, or you're gonna miss the beautiful gleaming thing in the corner of your eye or in the periphery or something mm-hmm. like that." And to me, that that's exactly it. That's that gleaming thing. That that. That's that's serendipity, you know. You stay on an honest grind, and you and you stay moving forward. Um, but if you get too enthralled in the end game, yeah, you miss those beautiful, you know, moments that can happen just like that. Like you contacting me about, you know, doing a podcast. I was like, wait. That was overwhelming <laughs> that you wanted to talk yeah. to me. I would have never been able to imagine it. I love that it happened, but I could have never like made it happen, mm-hmm. planned for it. No, you can't yeah. plan these no, things. No, it's exactly right. You know, so so I love those things. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you could say destiny. It sounds so, you know, kind of it lame does. or weird, but, but, but you know, it's sort of you, you've been... I just see somebody who's flourishing and, you know, blossoming into the person that they're supposed to become. And, you know, the more you can anchor yourself in the moment and pay attention and be present for what's yes, happening around present. you yes, is huge. when you, you know, that's when, you know, the universe conspires to step up and, and just kind of nudge you, you know, this direction or that direction. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, it's like we were talking about before, it's an evolution, right? So, you know, there was a day, you know, when you were preparing for the New York City Marathon, that was your jam, right? Like that's what you're focused on. And now, you know, 
is it different? Like when you wake up and you know, like people are messaging you on Facebook and they want to know what you think mm-hmm. and how can you help them? And, you know, how does that change what motivates you and what's important to you? Because yeah. that's, that's been my experience. Like, you know, I travel around quite a bit. I do a lot of these kinds of events. Inevitably, people are like, what are you training for right now? Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I'm training for life right now. You know, I'm trying to show up for what's up. Yes, you know, it. and right now it's like sitting down with you and being a marshal and hanging out with Matt Frazier and Colin Campbell and Robert Osfeld and Garth Davis <laughs> and was... Chef AJ. That's what's up, you know, and and what's important to me is trying to cultivate community around these ideas exactly. that can be helpful to people and mm-hmm. impacting people in a profound way so that they have the tools and the inspiration and the resources they need to change their life. And if I'm out on my bike all day, that ain't happening. That's when I get the blinders on. And there's a part of me that wants to just be on my bike all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to do that. That's mm-hmm. easy. There is comfort in that grind. You know, I yeah. like that pain and I get solace and I get, um, you know, a sense of self out of that. Mm-hmm. But that's not my life right now. And I'm okay with that, you know, because I think that I've been nudged, you know, to mm-hmm. do this kind of stuff. And, and I'm happy to do it and I love it, you know, and I'm showing up for it. And, and I see this, I see this happening with you right now. Like mm-hmm. you're just, a, you're a couple steps behind, but you're stepping into it, you yeah. know? And I think that, you know, when you talk about a sense of self-confidence or a sense of purpose, like this is just beginning, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I told Jonathan that today that, yeah, just getting started, man. Can mm-hmm. you, like, I've come so far yet I feel like I'm been the infancy of what's gonna happen mm-hmm. and that that's like keeps that's like i'm on fire dude where do you want to take it that's the thing i don't know <laughs> and that's frustrating as hell to a lot of people i don't i don't have a real clear crystallized um answer mm-hmm. you know and it, and it's frustrating not it's frustrating to me, but I would love to be able to just in a general sense help people, you know, in mass, right? Kind of like what, kind of like what you're able to do. Mm-hmm. Not just look. I love my people at home. I love my friends, and I want them. Um, I want to help them, and and. Some way it seems like there should be a there should be a way that through helping the people that I care about the most, I can help everybody else at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And exactly how that painting looks, I don't know. But you don't need to know, right? Right. Yeah. You just need to be present. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. In recovery, you know, they, they, they use the word surrender, and that's easily misconstrued as some kind of idea that you're giving up. But mm-hmm. it's, it's really not that. It's, it's an allowing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like getting out of your own way and showing up for what's happening mm-hmm. and learning to embrace that and be open. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think in that space is where you find those answers and you allow yourself to grow. And you don't have to have an agenda. You just mm-hmm. have to keep doing what you're doing and being you and keep doing the work. And, right. And then that stuff 
shows up when it's supposed to show up and it's not going to show up the way you think it's going to show up. Right, it's right. not going to look like how you might imagine it might, but it's going to be what's supposed to be happening. Right. And that's exactly right. And and I know I keep I keep alluding to it, but my group of buddies that I run with now that had the way that came about is just random girl in Thibodeau who made a Facebook group to for, called Thibodeau Running Group. And I was like, wait, how did I not know about a Thibodeau Running Group? Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know about it because it just yeah. happened. Because I'm the running guy, yeah, Thibodeau. Like, who's who's who, stealing my... Yeah. How do <laughs> yeah. I... Well, me and John, they were running together at the point where we both were like, how do we not know about this group? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so... We start, and that's exactly how. That's exactly what I mean. Like I would, I didn't plan. I didn't. You know, it wasn't me that came up with the running group, which maybe it should have been me that did it. But I, but I didn't plan that. It just happened. And really, honestly, I would have never guessed that I'd have had more people than just me and Jonathan that like to run that much. Mm-hmm. And not only do is there more, there's a lot more. And in our, we have, you know. Everybody kind of separates out according to pace because you get separated out in a group mm. like that. And so our group, it's like a group within a group kind of, um, we've become very close, very close. And and the food thing is actually, I guess I'm contagious a little bit because some of these guys are full bore plant-based runners now they are 100 percent. they on board with josh let's go baby let's and not only eating this way but adopting the uh let's i call it emptying the vessel when we work out like i swear that's me i you know lay it all out empty the vessel leave it all out on the road if you got something left in that last couple miles let's go ahead and burn it off let's get it let's get rid of it let's empty the vessel and it makes us better it makes us stronger and um it's 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 just quite a ride dude like i i don't know it's it's amazing and it's some one of those things that i never planned it wasn't a part of a step it wasn't a step along a way to a thing it's just boom hits you right in the ear hole like like in football, it's like ear holes are term. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get blindsided. I said, but is it in a good way? Boom. I was like, wow. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, a guy that I'm hooked up with on Facebook because of you comes to Thibodeau and runs. Hey, dude, I'm, I'm going to be in the area. I would love to meet you. Are you visiting? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would love to meet you and come run with the Thibodeau Run Group. Oh, that's cool. Is it? I feel like. This is tripping, man. I love this <laughs> shit. This is insane. That's super cool, man. It, 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 it's awesome. It is. I think it's a good, good time, good place to shut it down. But we didn't even touch on the fact that you ran your first ultra fifty kilometer race, and yeah, you did, well, it, you did it in sand. Yes, yes. You it, picked. You, you want to just pick a, a? I have to be honest on it. I, I was really more of a tag along on that race. My uh-huh. buddies were prepared for that race, and they crushed it. They did a great. You they, did it though. They smashed it, and um, yeah, I finished, and it hurt. That was my. That is my new hardest thing I've ever done. Uh-huh. <laughs> that took New York's place. 
uh, as far as the uh, pain threshold goes, that, that was that was powerful. And what's what's next? Um, I'm signed up for a hundred k in uh, mm, yeah. stepping up, <laughs> it, but it's not until October. So, but. That's the good. Week. You got time. Right. So my next next, though, is the Crescent City Classic. Right. So you got to go back and, and own it, right? You got to get another poster. and Oh, uh, a poster. Yeah, the poster. That's a done I'm deal even, I'm not worried about the poster. You passed that. You're over yeah. that. Now I have a <laughs> – and I guess I'm going to uh, – because I haven't really said it in specific terms to anybody. You're going to say it now. I'm going to say it now. I really would love to be able to get – uh, sub forty minute ten k mm-hmm. in the that's Crescent City Classic. When's so, it, what's the date of that? That's next weekend. Oh, that's nice, next weekend. Man. Yep, I've been. I You've been, been doing the speed work. I noticed. Yes, I've been going. Yeah, that's what my buddy Jonathan says. We know it's a good workout if Josh starts thr- to dry heave, and that's uh-huh. that's 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 where we go. That's where we go on the track. Is I run. Until my body just can't go anymore. And it, that feels like that's, you have to, like you have to, when you sharpen a saw, you have to remove material to make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's, you have to break down your tissue to make it better. It, that isn't easy to do because we have resilient bodies. You have to go hard to really cause tissue trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. And uh, that's, that's the approach I take. Well, this podcast is not going to be up before that race is done. So okay. I might have to dial you back up and get a little recap. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to hold you to that 39. That's sub 40, I'll I'm, say. Because if you want to go 38, that would be all right. <laughs> I'll right? try. Cool, I'll, be shoot, I'll be shooting for a win, but I just don't think there I'll quite go. get there. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. So let's shut it down with this. You're stuck in an elevator. Uh, and and somebody's in the elevator and they're like, Josh, man, how'd you do it? How can uh, you know? How can I? How can I? How can I make that shift? Like, what is it? What what kind of wisdom could you impart based on your experience that you think might be helpful to somebody out there who's listening, who's inspired, but they're struggling? First of all, you need to fall in love with yourself. That is very important, not in a not in a conceited way, but you really need to genuinely love your physical body and your being. If you do that with a hundred percent commitment and everything else will fall into place. That is the that was my number one takeaway from all of this stuff, from all of the running and all of the plants and all of the weight loss and all of that stuff. Digging yourself, man, is most important. And um, all of the other things will fall right into place if you can really genuinely take that step. I think that's a good place to close it down. Where? I love you, man. I love you too, brother. That was awesome. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm so glad to meet you and do this again. It's kick-ass, it's bro. It's a gift, man. It's great. Love Super it, Super cool. My weekend is complete. <laughs> you want to take us out? Peace. Plants.
How about a hashtag or two? <laughs> hashtag. Uh, what's yeah, a special Josh hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, my, one of my favorites, hashtag uh, stop playing. Yeah, I like that one. Stop playing. Bro. Stop playing. Stop. Stop that. All right, man. So if you're digging on Josh, the best way to hook up with him, probably on Instagram now, at yeah. Josh Johnny on Facebook, mm-hmm. on Twitter. You're all you're, you're yeah, same, Instagram same is the best. Places. Instagram is my fave. That's yeah. like that's my go to. I love Instagram. And um it just it's just it's just a way of, you know, getting information out into the general world in a more granular way. It's not from CNN and it's not from mm-hmm. Fox. It's from everybody, from the Josh Lajani's of the world, from the every man. And um, I just try to share as much of the fact-based knowledge that I've gained as I can. And that's it. All right, man. Keep inspiring, dude. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Me too. All right. <laughs> now I'm really going to take us out. All right. Peace. <laughs> okay so that was kind of amazing uh josh is really a special touched guy and i really hope that you enjoyed that he wanted me to let you guys know that uh he felt a little bit shy of going under 40 minutes in that 10k he hit it at 4106 uh mainly because he took it out a little hot he was at 1950 at the 5k So maybe with a little bit of pacing, he can get under. We'll talk about that next time I have him on the podcast. Anyway, let me know what you thought of the episode in the comments section on the episode page at richroll.com. Also, thank you for all the love and for sharing this podcast and for using the banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. Keep sending the questions for future Q&A podcasts to info at richroll.com. And for all your plant power needs, you can find all that stuff on my website too. We got nutrition products, we got books, education products, 100% organic cotton garments, Julie's meditation program, everything you need to take your health and your life to the next level. Uh, Also got a couple online courses at mindbodygreen.com, the ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition and the art of living with purpose, which is all about setting goals and kind of doing the internal work to make sure that you're on the best, most righteous life trajectory for yourself. I'm really proud of those courses and you can find them on the homepage at mindbodygreen.com by clicking on video courses. Uh, Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for telling a friend. Thank you for sharing it on social media and I'll see you guys next week. Make it a great one. Thank you for spending a couple hours with me today. I appreciate that. All right, make it great, you guys. Peace. Plants.